Amen. Would you help me welcome our audience via Facebook Live and our website, all of those who are logged in with us this morning. I'm thankful for them. It's a, it's a travesty. I, I didn't uh, inform one of our dear friends uh, that's visiting with us this week. Uh, I didn't ever inform her that, that we have a Facebook Live. Listen, if you have friends, uh, especially in our, our modern day from a distance, to invite them to like our page and make sure that they know that even when they're not able to attend their church, wherever they are, that they can always log in with us or hopefully their church or, or whatever it is. Amen. I didn't mean to do that. I'm really sorry, Arlene. She's been fussing at me. I didn't even know y'all had Facebook Live. I'm like, woman, as much as you on Facebook, you should have seen somebody. No, I just had to give her a hard time back. Hey, listen, I do want you to come. I want to invite you to come uh, next Sunday. The, we're going to begin to kind of study out, flesh this evangelism thing out together. Evangelism is not my is not my top gifting. It's not something that I, I just flow in really well, but it is something that I work hard to achieve. It's something that I don't just set to the side and, and say, well, somebody else is called to that. It's not me. If you will, be here next Sunday afternoon about 4.30. We're going to do our best to provide child care for you, and we're just going to kind of study together what it means to be an evangelist, what evangelism looks like, why that's important. We have several sign-up sheets in the foyer, uh, specifically the one that I know Miss Debbie Guillory would want me to announce the hardest and her team would want me to focus on is we need you to volunteer to serve on August the 5th for the health fair. We will need about a hundred people involved in all of those different aspects. If you can, um, if you have like, if you have like a heartbeat, breath, and like one hand that works, maybe just a foot, we can find somewhere to place you that day. Maybe just a mouth, whatever. I think that everybody has at least one of those things. We could use you to serve on that day. Genesis chapter one. I'm going to give you three points this morning, centered around one message. I want to talk about the light this morning. We're in a series throughout this summer. We said hashtag stay salty. We're, we're, we're talking about not losing our flavor just because it's summer, and I'm very proud of our congregation and the attendance throughout the summer, a lot, of, a lot of churches and pastors that I talk to, they have a lull in attendance over the summer. People, you know, they just, it's easier to sleep in in the summer for some reason. You know, you think when it's colder, even though it never gets cold here, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, but you think when it was colder, it'd be harder to get up, but you guys run your air conditioner so low all night long that it's easier to sleep in and just stay cool and snuggled up in your 18 covers that you get mad at me for pulling off. I just want to thank God for my model, though, this morning. Praise the Lord for the model that God sent me. Amen. That's a double meaning. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We all got that one, right? And then the Bible says the earth was formless and void. Are you with me? Even though God had created it, it was right there. The Bible says that it was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface. Everybody say darkness. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. I want you to notice that even though the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters, there was still darkness on the surface. Darkness, just because the Spirit of the Lord was there hovering over the waters, did not mean that the waters weren't still covered in darkness. Which means you can't just kind of hover around people that are filled with the Spirit or are walking with Jesus and accept and receive the same amount of light that they have. Watch this. So verse 3, God said... Let there be light. In essence, overshadowing the darkness. He took that which was formless and void. He took that which was covered in darkness. 
and he added light to it. Watch this. You cannot accomplish the will of God if you don't follow the commandments of God. Because without the commandment of God in the very beginning, the earth, just like us, was still formless, void, and covered in darkness. But when God gave the commandment to be light, it was. It received the light. And even though the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over it, it wasn't till the Spirit of the Lord came into it that it began to resonate the light of God. Don't be satisfied with just hovering around the Spirit of God and allowing some darkness to still kind of be in you. You can't hide that thing forever. Eventually, you've got to let the light of God expose it so that you can operate in the will of God. The opposite of light is darkness. Had more people answering second service. Praise the Lord. You guys are on top of it. We need to take a test, like have some sort of challenge, first service and second service. They're going to complain because you guys got more sleep. Um, I could just say that, uh, that you also had more coffee, so it's really not fair, but you answered that question very, very well. A, a few years back, Megan and I, it was when we only had two children, um, she had three three children in four years. Yeah, I don't know. And so, three children in four years, when we had two of them, we decided it would be a good idea to let them stay in the same bedroom. Because when one child wakes up, both wake up, right? And so, I'd kind of gone accustomed to this this child whimpering thing. And so, my, my natural... My, my natural tendency when a child began to whimper in the middle of the night was to, hey, babe, it's a little person doing the thing. And so, and she, man, just God sent me a model, I'm telling you. She would jump up and, and go quiet the one before she woke the other. But this night was different. This night was not just a whimper. It wasn't just a whine. It wasn't like a, I want some water or some more juice. This was at 2 a.m. a blood curdling scream from a two-year-old which was frightening because it's the middle of the night and I was resting in the Lord and I was awakened to a blood curdling scream from a two-year-old so we responded immediately to this you know this sound and we didn't know what it was and I jumped up out of bed and I was in front of her she ran me over it was like the German roots inside of her came alive I think she even gave a down the hallway of some sort and I was like what is an ugly spirit language God should have blessed her with something else but but she beat me to the rooms the first time she'll ever outrun me she's ever outrun me probably not the last if it comes between a, a child you know I'm like still doing this like what is this kid screaming about Megan's like down the hallway I've got I've got footprints on my back I get in the room and uh and the child's screaming and we open the doors and I'm like what is wrong with you and she points she didn't use her words so scared she can't talk the nightlight went out that was it like there was no scorpion no cobra no person with a mask. There was nothing. It was just the nightlight went out. And she was afraid of the dark. Why? Because from the very beginning, darkness represented the absence of God. Darkness, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, is not something that you just going to confidently walk off into. If you are completely comfortable in the dark, then I would want to encourage you next Friday night at about 4 a.m., I want you to come up into this sanctuary, and I just want you to leave all the lights off, and I want you to walk around in this altar in your confidence. There's something even creepy about the sanctuary when it's completely dark, because you never know when a zealous Young pastor may come around the corner and slam something or grab your hand or help you say hallelujah because that's what you say when you get scared, right? Nothing else comes out. Nothing else is manifested when you're scared. You, 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's what everybody screams whenever they get scared. The reason that we're scared of the dark, listen, the reason that we're actually scared of the dark, and if we're not, we have to kind of fight through it, is because that's not where we were created to be. Before God ever created man, he created light. And then he created men in the presence of light. So where there is light, there is no darkness. First John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. Watch this. That God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There, there is no turbulence or shifting of, of shadows. There is no wonder what you're going to get today and the changing of the guard over and over again. There is no shifting of shadow. I'm, I'm kind of leery every night. I've got this thing that I pray, started praying over the girls, and, and they just kind of pray along with me. They just kind of roll with it. doesn't make them think of anything. But little Gabriel, just he just kind of operates in a different realm. And, um, and I'm praying over him, and I always kind of hesitate when I start to pray this, but I say it anyways. What I'll say is I like to pray Scripture over my children. So I just kind of learned a few of the scriptures. I want to know you and make you known. You know, it's just simple stuff like that. And what I'll say about Gabriel, I'll pray over and I'll say, Lord, and I'm closing this prayer. Charge your angels over him tonight. That's Psalm 91. May he rest in your peace. Dwell in your presence. This is Psalm 91, verse 1. And abide in your, and every time I say abide, he'll go, I see shadow. I see shadow. A shadow, I see a shadow. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I got it, son. Abide in your, abide in your shadow and, and have sweet dreams in Jesus' name. Say, Jesus, no, I see a shadow. It's a shadow. There's shadows everywhere. And it's like he's stuck on the shadow thing. Why? But look, how many of you are comfortable when you're laying in bed or you're sitting around your living room, nobody else is around, and you see a shifting in the shadow? A shifting in the shadow means that there's something there that's not supposed to be there. There's, there's something moving through the light that may or may not supposed to exist. That's why the Bible says, listen, when you will give your life to Jesus Christ, there will not be a shifting in the shadows you can stand firm on the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, and know that that is a solid foundation, that that is a rock that you can have confidence in. It's a cornerstone that is not easily shaken. It is a shadow that does not shift. There's not going to be anything that sneaks into your life that's not supposed to be there because the Father of heavenly lights has His eyes on you, and there will be no shifting in the shadows around you when the light of God is upon you. I want to tell you three three ways this morning that we can be we can be light. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. I'm going to share the first point, but I want to kind of set this up that an angel came to John the Baptist's father. In the Holy of Holies. And he said, your wife is going to have a son. And that son will be the one that prepares the way for the Messiah. Well, I don't have time to give all the details for that. But that was prophesied before he was even born. So now you've got this approximately 30-year-old man. Who has likely been told this prophecy. He's leading people and baptizing people. He even has, the Bible says, some disciples of John the Baptist, some people that he's training and teaching and preparing because the Messiah is coming. The one that God set up speaking about in Genesis chapter 1 that Joel prophesied about, Isaiah prophesied, Jeremiah and David, and all the men and women in Scripture had given foreshadowing for Jesus, the Son of God, Yeshua, the Messiah, was coming. 
He could have said a lot of things. John the Baptist could have said a lot of things to introduce the one that God had been setting up for about the past 6,000 years. He could have said a lot about what was coming. But the first thing that he said in Matthew chapter 3 Verse 2, but let's start with verse 1 now. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Here's what he said. Repent. Repent. Salvation without repentance is not salvation. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that word repent mean? Because often we just think that repentance means turning away from sin. And, and it does mean that. Paul used that Greek word, epistrepho, the turning away of, of sin, the, the going in a new direction. But it's not just a turning away from sin that God is calling us to. Because if I just keep turning away from sin, my Lord, in our culture, I'm going to get dizzy real quick. So I'm not just turning away from sin, but I'm turning to Jesus because I don't have time to spin circles. I've got things that he's called and anointed, ordained me to accomplish. And if I'm just standing around spinning circles, I'm not going to get much of that stuff done. That's epistrepho. This word is a Hebrew word called metanoia. And it doesn't mean to turn away from sin. It means to change your mind. Now, for all those who just love grammar in the house, I'm going to hook you up this morning. For the rest of you like me, hang in there for a second. This word, repent, it's not just a present tense word, like repent. Right now, repent, or a past tense word, that, that you have repented, okay? This is a present progressive verb. In other words, it would be like adding ing onto the word, so you look at repent and you understand that John the Baptist, the very first time that he said it, he said, don't just repent or change your mind, but be repentant. Like, keep on repenting. Don't just change your mind that one time, but continue to change the way that you think. Continue the thing to, to change the things that you consider. Continue to change the perspective that you have on life. Let God come into your life and change your mind and keep on changing your mind until you have the same mind that Jesus had while he walked on the face of the earth. The essence of your salvation is not that you were repented one time. It's that you continue to repent for the rest of time because this is not the finished work. Thank God this ain't the finished product. He's the author and the finisher. It means he's finishing today. He'll do it again tomorrow, next month, next year, and everybody around me gets to reap the benefit of the fact that I'm not just changed my mind July 7th, 1991, but Jesus is still changing my mind and he'll continue to do it as long as I continue to follow him. We have to think differently and we have to keep on thinking differently. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now what is a kingdom? Well, we can see the picture of the castle and, and the king and, and the authority, right? We can see the picture that we would read about in, in elementary school of maybe the princess with the long hair, but the king simply ruled over the kingdom. So the kingdom was the realm over which the king ruled. God's kingdom is everything that he created. That was his kingdom. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness hovered over the surface, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. But God said, let there be light. So he brought life to his creation, and he was king. A rebel named Lucifer comes into the scene and begins to try to rule over God's creation. So Lucifer, the rebel, is cast out of the kingdom of God. And most theologians believe to the face of the earth. That's why it was formless and void and darkness was over the surface. Because that's where Lucifer and the angels that fell with him were being held captive. So because Lucifer could not rule over heaven, 
when God created the heavens and the earth and all the birds and the fish, the waters, the land, and the man, Lucifer said, I've got another chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to try to take over this kingdom. So what he couldn't do in heaven, he began to attempt to do on earth. Now watch this. So God sent the king himself to deal with the rebel, to reestablish the kingdom. And that's why Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven. If you're with me, say, oh me. The kingdom has come. John the Baptist is saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king has left his throne, come down to deal with the rebel, and it is time to operate in what Paul would call righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of heaven. Watch this. If it's not righteousness, if it's not peace, and it's not joy, it's not the kingdom of heaven. If it's not light, and it is darkness, then we've got to stop allowing it to exist in our lives. Until it's ready to change and repent like we had to do, we may need to separate ourselves, if even just for a season, from that which is holding us back for God's righteousness his peace, and his joy. Now watch this. If you've covenanted to something or someone, you don't get to just walk away from it and call it righteousness. If you've covenanted to a relationship and there's not peace in the home, then be the light of God where you are and let God operate in and through you. You have no idea what effect you could have on your family, friends, and children watching you live in the dysfunction and bringing God's faith to it in the midst. If it's not of the kingdom of God, then don't let it exist. Why Watch this. We've got a lot of false prophets. We've got a lot of people that want to come and give you a prophetic word. Speak into your life. They want to come and they want to say things that they think the Lord has spoken to them for you. But if it is not filled with righteousness, if it's not peaceful, and if it doesn't bring joy to your life. You need to take what that person said, wrap it up nice and tight, flush it, not in our toilets, because that thing keeps getting stopped up, but in somebody else's, and just let it go back into the sewer where it belongs. And if you have a prophetic word for somebody, you better make sure that it lines up with righteousness, peace, and joy. Because if I find out that you shared it with one of my sheep, and they're mad at me and God and the church because of something ignorant that you said that was outside of God's will, then me and you going to have a meeting on Monday morning. Because I'm tired of false prophets walking around and messing up good people. I want to see the light of God spoken into the lives of God's people. The kingdom have come. Change the way that you think. Think differently. That old religious system, it's not going to work. That thing that we were doing 20 and 30 years ago, it's not going to work. we got to be willing to modernize. I love this, this new Apple computer here that I have. If I'd have walked up this morning with one of them things that I had in elementary school and came up on the platform and set it down on this table, Chucky and Joey would have had to make me a new pulpit before next week was over with. So we want to update everything in our lives, but for some reason when it comes to modernizing the message of the gospel, we want to try to leave it the same and do what I did 20 want to do what he did 25 years ago. He wants to do something new for this generation for such a time as this, and he wants to use the people of God to be involved in it. So let's update. Let's modernize the message without changing it. The message remains, but the method can be updated every time. That should, that should come to pass in our speech. I, I see a day. I saw a day when sinners in the hands of an angry God was impactful. But I'm telling you, you share that sermon with a millennial and he's going to tell you to stick it because he doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear it because they're tired of hearing about what sermon impacted you when they don't see the fruit of the sermon that was supposed to be evident in your life. If you'll just show them and then speak in love, share the gospel with that individual, which would be righteousness, peace, and joy, they may actually follow you as you follow Jesus. But we give them more excuses not to because we don't have the attitude and the heart of God, which is not legalism, condemnation, and judgment, but righteousness peace and joy okay number two if you'll change the way that you think then change then God will be able to change the way that he uses you 
Because your perspective is more powerful than your problem. And if you can let God change the way that you perceive your problem, then he'll, he'll change the way that you perceive his power. Because it's not about understanding, it's about obedience. Point number two. God's called us to repent so that we can see the light. God has called us to rule in the light. Watch this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Well, that was ugly. What did you have to go and say that for, John? I mean, I sin. I'm not of the devil. I didn't say it. Look, I'm just reading scriptures, not calling you the devil. But God's more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. So if the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you about a sin in your life, an area where you're trying to hide or cover something in darkness, then would you listen to the voice of God and stop letting that sin and that old serpent of old stay alive in that corner of your house? Just bring the light of God and shine it on. You know, the light's obnoxious when you're trying to be in the darkness. I try to go to sleep. It's not even early. Like 10.30, 11, 11.30 at night. Megan has this, I've got to wind down from my day. Because I had these three little people, you know. And they're kind of hyper. I was like, baby, they went to sleep at 7. It's 11. If you ain't wound down by now, you ain't got a chance. Pray in the spirit. Do something in silent. Turn the phone off. She's playing Candy Crush. It's shining in my face. I'm swatting at things that are going all over the place. Then she gets a good one. She's like, whew. So she has to, like, get under the cover and sweat half to death. Speaking of sweating, my Lord. She sweats half to death under the cover because she's winding down. Why am I so annoyed by the light? Because I'm trying to be in the darkness. If you will shine light on the things in your life that aren't supposed to be there, they'll get annoyed. They may even leave for you. You might not have to fight them anymore. Because it's not just about turning away from sin. It's about turning to Christ. The one who practices sin is of the devil, even though that's harsh. It's in the Bible. For the devil has sinned from the very beginning. He was the first sinner. He'll be the last sinner. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Everybody say, this purpose. Y'all are yawning too much. Y'all slept in and didn't come till the 11 o'clock service. I need you to wake up. My alarm went off at 5 this morning, okay? Y'all stop yawning because it's contagious. And everybody's looking around. Don't think about yawning. Don't yawn right now. Now listen, if you, you understand, if you start to focus on something, then it will change what you're doing. So you can't focus on not yawning. You can't focus on what the devil came to do. Stop blaming your problems on the devil. It ain't his fault. He doesn't have authority in your life unless you let him have authority in your life. The Bible says that Jesus came for this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, luo, loosen, disintegrate, break. Not just like defeat and barely overcome. Like, oh, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to get through it, brother. I'm afraid to ask some people how they're doing. Because I'm a pastor. Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, pastor, I'm glad you came. My God, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> we, we spend an entire Sunday morning. People want to come up. Nobody wants to respond to the altar, but everybody wants to tell me what they need me to pray for them for. If you don't come to the altar, I can't help you. I'll write you down on the prayer list, but don't miss out on what God had for you and then tell me on your way out just because you weren't confident enough to get or angry enough or mad enough about it. You understand what I'm saying? Do something. The enemy has right in your life because you allow him to have right in your life, but the Son of Man came for this purpose, to luo, to loosen, to disintegrate, to break the chains of the bondage of sin or destruction, darkness, pain, sorrow. You can change your perspective because it's more powerful than your problem. Genesis 3 verse 15, the Bible says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. He's talking to Lucifer. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. 
and between your seed and her seed. Now listen, I know enough about biology. That one class, I mean, I avoided it like the plague in college, but I had to have that one class. And I got through that class. I think I made a B. May have cheated, can't remember, okay? I wasn't living for Jesus at that time. Don't hold me accountable yet. But I know, according to biology, that um, this scripture doesn't make sense. I know a snake can have seed. A serpent can have seed. But from what I understand, woman doesn't have seed. Okay? But God said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. See, in Genesis chapter 3, the voice of the Lord was setting up Matthew chapter 3. He understood that a day was coming when the Holy Spirit would visit the Virgin Mary. And for the first time in history, woman would have seed inside of her. And that seed was going to incubate into the Son of God that would be born. And the kingdom of heaven was going to come back. And now we understand that the seed of that woman didn't just have a little bit of unction over that serpent. But that he was going to crush his head and take back the dominion that he tried to steal from man. The serpent may strike at his heel a little bit and may bruise him for a moment, which the Bible says he was crushed and he was bruised. But on the third day, the seed of the woman came alive again and he crushed the head of that serpent of old and won back the authority that he should have never had in the first place. Roche, head, top. Leader, chief. You ever been involved in a project that just didn't have the right leader? <laughs> like the wrong person was in charge? Like these HGTV shows, these, the, the first time flippers? Have you seen that? Wrong person in charge. Okay? We're watching this show last night, and this woman named Shayla comes on TV. This is my first time to ever flip a house. She's from like Manor, Oklahoma, wherever that is, right? It's like, never mind. So she, she comes in, and she's, she's like, I'm going to flip this house that I bought. I got all my savings into it. I'm like, you're going down, girl. <laughs> you better lose all your stuff. I'm like, I hope she has some good help. And she says, and my mom is here to help me. <laughs> so we're going to flip this house. I'm like, a daughter and her mama are about to flip this house. My God, I hope they show the raw footage that we don't get to see during the commercials. That's what I'm talking about. Like, show me where she cut that cord before she turned the electricity off. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see the sewage shoot out of the toilet into her face because she tried to cut that line before she turned off the water. So she's in the kitchen. They're pulling off the thing. Uh, they're pulling off the vent over the stove. And she's like, oh, I, hope the, I hope this electricity's off. And she's got like a pair of scissors that she got from her beauty shop. She's chopping on the line. It won't cut. I don't know why it won't cut. I don't know see why it won't cut. The wrong person is in charge. She's got a sander going against the grain. Like the grain is this way. She's got that sander. It does way better like this. I don't know why people don't use it this way instead of that. And HGTV's like, because it will ruin your floors if you go against the grain. So then they stain the floors and she's like, oh no, it's got sideways lines in it. Why does it have sideways lines in it? And her mom's like, Oh, that's the spot where we went against the grain. <laughs> Look, in this scripture, we see the wrong person in charge. The wrong person is at the helm. Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them rada. Let them rule over everything, over the fish, over the sea, and the Bible says, and over all the earth. Who was on the earth? Lucifer. So God gave his dominion to the man and the woman, to mankind. And he said, I want you to rule over the fish, over the sea, and over all the earth. 
So in the very beginning, God created man and woman, and he has a genetic makeup inside of every single person in this room to rule and to reign. Well, I'm just not as good of a leader as that person is. I'm just not a good speaker. You know, I'm just not good praying with people. I'm just not, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they're good, good at working with their hands and stuff. I'm just, no, look, in the very beginning, God gave mankind an anointing. He didn't give them excuses why they're not serving. And it will be that anointing that we present to him in the last days of what we did with what he put inside of us. If we present to him our excuses of why we didn't use what he put inside of us, then we're going to be held accountable for it. But if we present the anointing that he put inside of us, then we get to present people to him that he used us to have an internal influence on. So no more excuses because you have the genetic makeup of God, the elders, the angels, the Holy Spirit, and his son in Genesis chapter 1. 1 verse 26 to rule over watch this this word doesn't just mean to rule it means to cause to rule so I don't I'm not just ruling over the head I'm not just ruling over the serpent I know I know that that the serpent tried to take something from Adam but God sent his son to take it back and now I get to walk in the same ability that he walked in and he is now the glory and the lifter of my authority. He is now the glory and the lifter of my significance. He is now the glory and the lifter of my ability. He is now the glory and the lifter for my healing. He's now the glory and the lifter of my sharing the gospel with all the world. He's now the glory and the lifter of my bride. He's now the glory and the lifter of of my babies. He's now the glory and the lifter of the city of Eunice. He's now the glory and the lifter of our staff. He's now the glory and the lifter of the teenagers. He's now the glory. My God, I'll do it myself. He's now the glory and the lifter of everything that I could ever come up against or everything that could ever come up against me because he has given me the right to rule again and to be the head, the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Praise God. Seven people. We got it. The world and its devil were not meant to rule over you. You were created to rule and cause others to do the same. Pastor John, would you come? He called us to repent. I needed this anyways. He called us to rule. Created us to rule. Number three. He wants us to receive. Look, you're not going to go out and win the world today. But you can begin today to repent, to change your mind. You can begin today to make some adjustments in what you do and do not rule in your life. And it's not this assertion watch this it's not this assertion of authority it's not me asserting my authority that causes me to be the leader that God called me to be the the picture is painted by Paul when it comes to the marriage of a man and woman he says this he says wives submit to your husbands Why do we live in the freest nation of the world? But we're becoming the most perverted nation in the world. Because we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. But the church is not operating in the anointing, the submission, the sacrifice the servanthood. Why is a house church in China having more impact than an open church in Louisiana? 
Why is Asia seeing more of the glory of God than the United States of America? Because God has never been and he never will be subject to the freedom of man. But every time that we have freedom, wow, submit to your husbands. That's my freedom. She's supposed to submit to me. Husbands love as what? As Christ loved and gave himself. So this is a picture of the church. This isn't a picture of you fixing your husband. (laughs) This is a picture of the church. That Jesus is saying, I love you. I gave you everything. And just as I am the water and she is the flower, I am the ceiling or the support. He is the same. But we are subject to how willing we are to submit to him. Why? Because he made himself subject to it. We shouldn't be the most immoral nation in the world. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, I also say to you that you are Peter. He changed his name. He changed his name, so he changed the way he thought. He changed the way he thought, so he changed the way he acted. Upon this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my governing body, the one that has the right to pass the laws and make the decisions. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Watch 19. I will give you, I will give you the keys to the, there's that phrase again, kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So you tell me, according to this passage, what is wrong with this nation? It's not the world. It's not the sin. It's because the people of God are not operating in the anointing of God. We don't just receive, we rule, we repent, we rule, we receive. We understand that Jesus paid it all so that we could begin to purchase more people. That he gave everything that he had and he defeated death, hell, and the grave, wrapped it up in a nice little present and handed it over to the church and said, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to have influence. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we're not limited in dominion. We're not limited in power, healing, blessing, favor, comfort, ability to pray, inability to pray. The only thing that we're limited by is our own obedience. And I don't desire this or this or this. I don't want it this way or that way. I just want it his way. And I'm not going to stop until I accomplish and achieve everything that he created me to rule and to reign over because there's too many people that are subject to my submission and just because you're not pastor in a church doesn't mean that you're not surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses we will not present our excuses we will present his anointing so now This series really didn't make that much sense. It was kind of fun, like Jesus on a surfboard, stay salty, yay. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. It had no substance. The darkness was over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. But God said, be light. Now, Jesus comes on the scene after everything that he won back from the devil everything that he purchased on our behalf because we've been screwing it up since Adam in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 he says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt 
loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned again? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light. God said, let there be light. And Jesus said, you are the light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. The light was meant to offend the darkness. Get out from underneath the cover and let your light shine before men. Offend them if you have to (laughs) with the light of God. But when you offend them with the light of God, make sure that it speaks the righteousness and the peace and the joy of God. It's not meant to be put under a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They are tired of hearing what we have to say when we're not showing what He came to show. They need to see it because they've been hearing it since this nation was created. That's why they left Britain was to come over here and form what we get to sit in every day. And I believe that our founders, the spirit-filled founders, the sanctified and the saved, the ones that were responsible for the great awakening, not just the ones that signed the declaration of man's democracy, but the ones that came over here to operate in the theocracy that God set up in 1 Samuel, and he meant for his people to live in all time, where he was the king and we ruled and reigned in his authority. I believe that they would roll over in their dried-up graves if they looked at this nation today and they saw the state of the church in all of its freedom and none of its responsibility. I'm telling you church, whether you're 13, 33, or 93 in this room today, you still have a heartbeat and you are still the salt of the earth, the light of God and He is still a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and if you will follow Him then He will lead you into the path of righteousness peace and joy and then you will lead somebody else would you stand with me all over the room this morning I just want to know today would you bow your heads I want you to I want you to evaluate I want you to examine yourself I want you to ask the Lord. Ask the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, do I have more excuses than I have anointing? Lord, am am I really doing everything that you created me to do? Am I really pursuing you and your presence? With all of my potential, would you ask him that? Am I pursuing you the way that I'm supposed to? Have I been repenting and ruling and receiving everything that you have for me? In just about 30 seconds, we're going to pray a prayer. And we're going to get this thing right. We're going to settle it. We believe that when Scripture says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that it still happens. But it's just the beginning. It's just your confession of of starting the journey. Listen, if you're in the room today, I just want you to answer this one simple question. Am I living for God or am I not? Am I achieving His will for my life? Does Jesus have my life? Does he have control? Is he the head of me and my house? If you'd like to commit to that process this morning, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, 
and you want to be included in this prayer, that the entire church is going to pray. We're all going to pray together. If I'm talking to you and you would say, Pastor, I want to be included in this prayer. I want to give Jesus my life. I want him to have it. And you never have or you know you need to recommit to it. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? That's me. I see you. That's me. Come on, raise it like proudly. That's me, man. I, want to, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, forgive me for where I've fallen short. For the times that I settled. The times that I allowed darkness to exist. And the times that I was even willing to exist in the darkness. Shine your light on me. Shine your light in me. Shine it through me. Help me to repent, to rule, and to receive everything that you have for me. May I fix my eyes on you and follow you with all of my heart. Anoint me to achieve your will for my life and everybody around me. In Jesus' name. Pastor Weston mentioned a card that should be in front of you somewhere. Don't forget, for those of you who have been in, we're going to have our third uh, Next Steps class. If you're curious about what that may be, you're welcome to join us for that. Don't make a decision and not go the distance. Many of you made a decision today. Now take that decision outside of this sanctuary and discover how God is going to use you to be the light to your family, your friends, and everybody that he puts in your path. You don't have to go out of here and try to make opportunities. You just have to follow Jesus out of this place and make the most of every opportunity that he gives you. Can I pray over you this morning and we'll be dismissed? Not pray with you, I'll pray over you. If you don't mind, just lift your hands like I'm handing you a present. If you're not comfortable with that, I'm going to bless you anyways. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for these people. I thank you for their families and their friends. Lord, would you bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, would you lift up your countenance upon us and let us go in your peace. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways, to receive your salvation and be filled with your spirit. God, to recognize your presence every day of our lives, to know you and to make you known, to be a witness for you with every person that you put in our path. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know on the way out. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.